Welcome to the Walpole High Film Festival's podcast, One Point Perspective, a podcast that explores the world of digital filmmaking and talks to young aspiring filmmakers in high school, college, and beyond. Now here are the hosts of the show, Mike Allen and James Conley. Welcome to One Point Perspective, Walpole High School's number one podcast. We're here today, very special guest, we have Tom De Silva. Class of 2006, um, and we're going to talk about his trip down memory lane in the film festival and uh, what Tom's been doing since he graduated. Welcome, Tom. Thank you, James. Yeah. Nice to be here. We're real excited to have Tom De Silva here. He is a member of the first generation, uh, that film festival first generation, the uh, really kind of and bridges that gap into the second generation from three to four, third year to fourth year. Um, and He's uh, had a really interesting journey since he graduated and, and has a lot of great stories and insights to, I think, convey to the kids. So we're really excited to have him here. But uh, Tom, welcome. And um, we usually start off down just going down memory lane here. So how did you get involved? Do you remember way, way back how you got involved in the film festival? Oh, man. So, so my first... Uh look at the film festival was actually you, Mr. Allen, uh, just running around like we were coming to see you about English homework or, you know, after school and had a question about a paper and you'd like, be right with you. I'm gonna go do the film festival thing. And I was like, what is this? What is this madness? And then I uh, started in like a background role in full circle. I was like my sophomore year. I just was walked up to someone and said hi in the background. But then it was the mastermind, Chris Diedrich, who scooped me up and said he wanted to have me play the villain in his film festival movie. That was my junior year, and uh, that was 2005. And so um, I did. I stepped in, and then I, of course, helped him edit that, too. Then my next year, well, so I was in your creative writing class that same year, and so that's when we wrote the script for I, Scott Bot, which then I directed and edited and all that stuff. So... Um, that was my yeah. I mean that that really. What I'll, I'll just digress a little bit. Like when I first got to Walpole High, I hated everything about life. <laughs> wow, that's that's dark. Jeez, <laughs> cut that out. Um, <laughs> I I just was just like, oh, okay, yeah. Now it's typical high school. You know, the jocks run everything. I've got to like you know get the best grades possible, or you know live in an alley. Um, so. <laughs> Yeah, by, by the end, uh, it was actually like a place I felt like home. It was because of the film festival, you know, and obviously I'd been there a while, but like the film festival was just like, wow, like there's actually a purpose for me at this place, you know, so. That's one of the nicest things that, that anyone said about about us, I think, if we can serve as someone's home. Let's just backtrack a little bit here. That was year th- year three of the film festival. I had you as a, as a student year two of the film festival, and yeah, the, yeah. We, were, we were running around. Uh, Mr. Russo and myself after school because there was no class and everything was after school and it was uh, just a challenge to get everything done. And then the third year was the first year of the class, not quite as we know it, but sort of Chris Diedrich's pitch for that movie that you did right in Wong Evil about was, was the most bizarre pitch ever. And it was, you know, traditionally it's hard to pitch a movie and get the green light. And as most people know who've done it. And he, he was so passionate about that pitch and you can imagine what it was it was you know so bizarre and out there and, and I was that was the first one I was like you know what Chris you're passionate I have no idea what this is about 
but you're passionate about it and I'm just going to give you the okay. And I, and I think, you, you know, hopefully ho hope for the best. And I'm so glad I did because, um, I've always kind of used that as a, in, in the back of my mind, if someone comes up with a crazy pitch, we've had a few this year yeah. uh, and I'm like, you know what, let's just go with it. You guys are passionate about it. It doesn't always work out, but, um, Chris was so passionate about it. And, and man, that movie, <laughs> that movie delivered. I just remember Mr. Russo and I, when you were editing that movie, and it, coincidentally in the room that I'm in right now teaching in, we would just hear like snippets <laughs> of like, <laughs> of your character, Mr. Wong. And oh, we were just dying. And I, I just remember like, I was working on something else on the other end of the room. And then I hear, I came over, like, what is this? And you're playing, and I was just dying laughing. And then like Landry and Coleman, man, was that funny, funny movie. And of course, it's a certain type of humor because I was just sharing with Tom this story where like we were so excited about that movie. We thought it was hysterical. I still think it's funny. I still think it holds up. But it's not everybody's cup of tea. And in the middle of that show, when that aired, the principal, Dr. Sambacetti, got up in the middle of that movie and walked out. And Mr. Russo and I just looked at each other and we're like, oh, my God, what have we done? But the crowd loved it. It was a huge hit. And then to go on to, to Scottbot, mm -hmm. like in, in creative writing, again, you, it was like one of those, that idea for that script came as most great ideas come in the middle of a faculty meeting, a boring faculty meeting, where uh, Dr. Samosetti was asking for chaperones, and I just turned to Mr. Russo, and I was like, how funny would it be if Mr. Scott stood up and said that he and his robots would chaperone <laughs> the prompt? And that was it. That was all I had. And I pitched it to the creative writing class, and that was just what I said, just that. And I was like, anybody want to take this? And, and I remember you coming up and being like, I, I don't want a shot at that. I was like, all right, great. And you turned in that draft. I remember being at Starbucks, reading that draft, laughing aloud. One of the f first scripts that I was like, literally, and then calling Russo, because he had, he had left at that point and being like, you've got to read this script. And, and it was like that one line that, that this, like, there's one line where someone's like, there's something wrong with the Sambucetti unit. I remember <laughs> reading that line, being like, oh, this is priceless. Yeah. So talk a little bit about because that that movie's kind of legendary. That 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 movie, I think, starts the new generation of of uh, film festival movies. Yeah, it definitely kicked off the the you know the tone of like what the film festival was all about. I feel going forward, and especially then having the class where the movie the qualities just started to go through the roof, and it started with how much time you put into it because I was in the festival that year too. I remember watching that. I'm like, how in the world did he do that? Like, that must have taken forever to cue up all the all the sounds, and it was amazing. Oh, it was so much fun. You want to talk about yeah, that? Yeah, sure. Okay. I mean, yeah, the sound editing was a lot of fun. I'll go back to that. When we were able to put, uh, like, the sound effects of the robots and, like, Urker, like, doing his vice, or whatever, the, uh, the lip gloss thing was, and it's just like, it was like, uh, it was the same effect as, like, you know, when they added John Williams to... Star Wars, that kind of thing. It's yeah. just like when you get the audio, suddenly it's real, you know. Yeah. But yeah, so I guess I was pretty much slated to work on that uh, since like junior year when I turned in the script, and then uh, we came back, and I don't remember exactly when we started shooting. I think that you know it was a lot looser back then in terms of like the production schedule. I think, but uh, we when we started, it was like immediately 
in like the first scene we edited, we knew it was going to be awesome because we shot over in Plimpton at night with Scott, all these just like dark, mysterious laboratory shots of Scott and uh, him working at his, his bench and uh, lightning. We added in the lightning flashes. It was just amazing. And then, um, yeah, we just kept we just kept going. We just kept working with with the teachers and the teachers were all eager to to work with, you know, like and some people got it more than others, like Miller. Mr. Miller, the physics teacher, went completely over the top, making all of the lame robot voice, like, oh, take me, I am a robot, ha, 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 it's so funny when I do it for three scenes straight. And then there was, like, Hubbard, I don't think even knew he was on camera, right? We had Hubbard as, like, the Hubbard robo-hub. <laughs> and he, uh, that was the first split screen we attempted, actually, was uh, the teachers are kidnapped, and then robot teachers take over, that's the premise. And uh, so Mr. Hubbard is facing off against uh, a robot version of himself, and he's trying to overheat the robot by, you know, teaching it the rules of the English language. And it works, yeah. But that was the first one that we shot, and so we did the split screen, and we didn't get the lighting quite right on that one. Yeah, I remember, so I remember I coming like, down, you were like, wait, so how are we doing this? And I was like, don't move the camera, whatever you do, and just go. And right, and, and, uh, and it should work, and it did. Yeah, the lighting, I mean, to do that, those shots appropriately, you need pretty good lights, and and, coupled with the fact that you guys fun fact we were the last movie to shoot uh on a non-digital camera you guys shot on hi8 that's right it was my camera yeah it was and we shot all the movies we used to shoot you know on hi8 and uh that was like the last one we've we ever did so then you're dealing with that as well so it's a little harder to make it look you know nice and clean but it's i mean you guys managed to make it work yeah Oh, it worked in the rooms with uh, low or artificial lighting, I think, with Hubbard's room, too. There was, like, natural light coming in, changing yeah. everything up. That was also the first role that, like, a, a faculty went all in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Scott. Yeah, there was a chase scene. It's amazing. Oh, it's a great, great, great cut to, remember the, the cut from Mr. Scott's room to Plimpton? Like, he opens the door, and then he cut to Plimpton, and, like, we're in, just in another total room and people are like wait how, how, how did that <laughs> where's that room i was like oh. and then we blew and we blew him up yeah it, that was <laughs> yeah the, that's right using motion and it was so cool yeah so that was uh it, that movie i think just showed everybody what we could do yeah that definitely set the set the bar high and set the tone and and definitely um definitely pushed the limits in my opinion like i remember watching that because i was in the audience in freshman year and I watched Wright and Wong and I was like, that was the most confusing and amazing thing I've ever seen. Like what happened, but I loved it. Um, like we mentioned off air, uh, uh, cannibal Jeff Walker was just great to great to watch. But, um, but yeah. And then like you go and see Scott on that year. And especially like, I feel like there were tons of like movies that were like really kind of pushing the envelope and, uh, it just shows how good of a job you did that you guys, um, yeah. came out on top and yeah it was, it was <laughs> really like the jump from three to four I mean like you look at being Mr. Giblin King Bully and Squeaking of the Chairs I mean those are the four movies and you know and I Scott but those, those are pretty good movies and they still hold up like we just watched um, being Mr. Giblin I was, had somebody watch that last year and they couldn't believe how good it was I was like yeah I was like uh, those those movies and, and the dedication of those those crews were, were something 
Um, all right, so then you got you. There was a bunch of you that went on to film school, and you went. So why don't you talk a little bit about that? Where you went to film school and what you learned? And like I said, um, we have a lot of uh, seniors and some juniors that are thinking about uh, film school. I've already applied to film school, and and you know the question always that we ask, you know, is film school worth it? Uh, what do you got out of it? And you know, recommendations that you have. Okay. So, is film school worth it? Well, it wasn't for me, <laughs> because... Uh, where'd you go? I went to Boston University, and it's a great school, obviously. It's an amazing university with all kinds of history. Um, I was in the College of Communications, and um, the, it started with like the intro to comm classes where they were obsessed with having you read the news and you know be all worldly and keep up with current events and and then like the class you know whatever that's that's important to do <laughs> but uh, the class I had that was in, like I, I'm here for film and you know this this just bitter profess very bitter person I'm not gonna name the person or even mention their gender honestly but like this person like wanted to instill that suffering was part of like going into this communications route it seemed you know she's, she's gonna be so hard and you she's gonna tell you she didn't straight up like tell you you're stupid but she but yeah she did and uh you know we were writing like uh you know imitation news articles right like op-ed pieces profiles on uh you know interesting people all these things that were in the communications realm and i'm like you know i'm what about film? What about the, the visual medium? And eventually I did get into those classes. But right from the start, the, the, just the fact that, you know, some people find it weird that at, at BU, at least, the, the film program is in the communications as opposed to the arts, which I, I don't know. That is kind of interesting. Yeah. So, so that, that kind of turned me off right away <laughs> in a lot of ways to kind of the communications world, which right now includes the 24-7 media that is sapping the intelligence of the American public. <laughs> I, I found that one of the things Complaints, at least early on, especially when you were there, uh, the transition, slow transition that some of these programs made from uh, film to digital. You know, and that was uh, I, I remember Jack uh, Swanson complaining about that. Was he, he, went to, he went to Hofstra. Oh, okay. That, along with the inability to, or the frustration rather, for students that they want to create things and they have to wait i think bu if i remember it's, it might even be the senior year to, to actually get out and film that was the first time i ever uh filmed was my senior year um junior year was a uh, internship program in la in los angeles which was really cool um but you're right yeah the hands-on stuff you know i don't know why they gotta like you know set a bar or something cut people i don't know what they're, what they're purposes other than maybe they just don't have enough equipment they gotta because I remember like I was surprised you know there was one little rental room at BU in the basement of the comm building which as far as I know was like where all the equipment was it was kind of small but I don't know who knows I don't want to go making grand sweeping judgments uh, <laughs> but you, you so a afterwards what is it that you feel you would say I you know, we were unsatisfied. I mean, I was really satisfied with the experience of BU and college. Like, everything was awesome, really. The film classes were awesome. They were fun. You did learn a lot. You learned about how to shoot. We, sh we shot on uh, the Bolex camera, you know, with the 16-millimeter uh, film, Super I think. 16? Yeah. 
Um, and that was cool. It was just kind of like, it was interesting to learn about the history. We got, so much of it was film history. You took these long four hour classes that where you would watch, like I took a Polish film class, you know, and the professor would talk for like half an hour and then I'd be almost asleep. And then you put on a movie, this old Polish films, uh, and, you know, it was cool to see, like, how, how film was used differently. That was really just about the experience of life back then. It was amazing enough so that some guy could, like, film a train, and it would be called, like, I forget what it was called, The Arrival of a Train or something, you know? And that was it. And that was the film. And someone was just so amazed that you could do that and see all these pictures coming together to make like, it seem like something's real, obviously. Now it's just, like, such a, a staple of our society now that just, like, video is everywhere. It's... What did you hope to get out of it and like, you know, pursue? And then what was the reality? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I guess I was hoping I would become a filmmaker like anyone else who loves it, whether that means directing or just I, I guess like the I, I didn't understand, I guess, how little the economy cares about your feelings that might have been. <laughs> the most important thing that I noticed almost immediately getting a job like in the world of uh, any kind of media was that like I'm so passionate I'm coming fresh out of college I know everything or I know so much I just gained all this knowledge for a pretty penny and uh, I'm sorry the world doesn't care about they just they don't care about your bright-eyed passion as far as I mean yeah like and you can do like start a project with other people as passionate about you but that rarely gets you anywhere as far as I mean, that's so cynical. I'm sorry. It can get you somewhere. That's the thing. I don't want to say like you, your dreams are dead immediately, but like, that's just, that, that's what I found is just like, okay, so this is a side project. It's just like, you don't really have an end goal. It's just, we're just passionate. But then when you want the people that have an end goal, these are the business people that shoot to win. They play to win. And you, you know, the, the passion kind of gets grinded out in, in, uh, in the business, you know? It's just like, and then you, you know, you can go to your Hollywood. You can try that. I moved to LA. You know, I, I tried. I just to just see what it was about. I kind of already knew what it was about. You know, you know. It just. Uh, and what did you do in Hollywood? In Hollywood, uh, so I, I did actually. I did a lot of music. I played drums with uh, a couple projects. I did some just independent uh, editing work for a place I had interned at, and it was cool. It was it was all good, but like. Um, and, and then, no, actually, and then I went to work at a place called Machinima, which is, uh, like, a YouTube channel for, for gamers. Big, lot of gaming content, you know, online streamers and stuff. So I did some video editing work for them. But I guess, you know, just getting onto, like, the big projects or whatever, it's like, I didn't even, like, maybe there were ways, but you could schmooze with people and get the inroads eventually, because that's just how you got to do it. You got to actually live there. You got to set up your life in L.A., and I think living in L.A., like two years was long enough for me to say, I do not want to set up my life in L.A. Um, that doesn't mean I don't want to be, you know, a, a filmmaker. But that also means, like, you know, I, I don't want to be a, a filmmaker in, in, like, the the most obvious culturally known path, right? Go to L.A., you know, go west, young man, and let make your dreams known. And so, uh, uh, you know, it just it didn't fit for me. It just, yeah, it just didn't fit for me, I guess. It's funny, our last uh, podcast guest was Felicia Romeo, and she talked a lot about the business side of film. It's kind of like you don't, that's the side you don't really think of. You only think of the, uh, like the creative side, the creating side, and you never really think of the only thing a lot of people up there really care about is, will this make me money? Right. I mean, yeah, and you know, you, you can't fault them. No, oh, they can't. Much, no, because you know? no, like, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, I get annoyed by kind of the obvious, you know, the remake thing, all the Disney remakes and all, and all the stuff that is just so obviously just to, to fill seats. But then it's like Universal Studios has roller coasters just so you could fill a seat and then you leave and it's a thrilling, maybe not, develop, you know, character forming experience. Maybe it is because it's a roller coaster, but I don't know. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good that's a good point. I like what you said about you have to get to L.A. You have to like be invested in there and then you realize that you know what I don't I don't like I don't like it here uh, and that's a it's a tough city to like I think you know if, especially from the east coast I think a lot of people just can't wait to get back but I think you you know even trying it though you you learned what you like and what you don't like and I think Felicia said you know recommended students find a niche in like you know sound or, or gaffing or something like that don't come out thinking that you're going to be a director and, and such certainly not you can direct i mean you can at any point you can pick up a camera and direct that's another important thing even though you shouldn't like you said like it shouldn't be like oh you know it's going to be my career immediately at age 22 you know it's not going to happen but like i say this because i want to take my own advice like i don't pick up a camera and make videos anymore and i should you know, just because I still like to do it. Um, but, you know, <sighs> yeah. That's good. That's a good point. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah make yeah. movies or make excuses. That's right. I know. It's funny. One of the other things I want to point out is that back when you were making films here, years three and four, there was, like, nobody doing that. Like, your age, nobody, you know, making movies. Like, you probably came out. I'm assuming t to BU Film School with a couple movies under your belt, right? And probably nobody else had that. Mm -hmm. oh, Certainly, twenty-minute movies, and right. um, thirty. <laughs> yeah, and now y it, it's so much easier to make films, which is great, you know, accessibility. But the flip side of that is like it's so hard to get your movies shown because everybody's got a movie, and and they're and. The, the YouTube station and Vimeo and it's you're flooded with information that it's hard to get people's attention so it's a much more like I think like learning how to promote yourself promote your product yeah that's what they should have taught at BU <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's one of the things that we try to emphasize and we have all the crews have their own Instagram and in that social media is not just for fun, even though they have a lot of fun doing it. It's like they, you need to make people aware of your project, aware of your work. Like Felicia said, they, you know, make sure you document the work that you're doing in pre-production that shows studios and, and other people that you're serious. They might not even look at your final product, but they can see that you're serious about the yeah. work. I mean, that's yeah. that was another thing that turned me off, actually, too. The prospect of being a writer for Hollywood was just how instantly a studio can pass over your your script like even if they don't like the way the cover page looks you know or just like they, they just are bombarded with you know ideas and then yeah then then you get down to the whole uh you know idea of like everything that you are putting through as your passion is still meant to just be a package you know it's meant to have a label on it at, at the end of the day and and you know be shipped sold somewhere and uh your heart might be there, but you don't get to, you know, follow it, that kind of thing. You yeah. know, can't take it with you. All right. That's good advice. All right. So one of the things we ask all our guests is to recommend three film festival movies that they have not been involved in uh, that the kids should watch. And then also 
recommend three Hollywood movies that the kids should watch. Okay. All right. So I would recommend the first one I recommend would be Pitching in the Hall, which was year four, right? three, three. Uh, okay, that's right. It was. Yeah. Of course, they were older than me. Um, it's uh, yeah. It's just hilarious because it's uh, it's actually very digestible as a film because it's got a couple like in in like three sub stories. Yeah. I think. Um, and uh, they're just pitching these ideas. You know, it's Dave Jenks and uh, a crew of uh, other guys, Tom Barnes, Louis Jello, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and they're just, like, sitting there coming up with these hilarious ideas. Like, they set the school on fire, and then they go to, like, Dunkin' Donuts or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, no, what is it? It's, uh, oh, it's funny, because Tom Barnes just, like, drops the restaurant name as, like, a one-liner. It's hilarious. I forget. It's so Chili's or something like that. Um, yeah. And then uh, well, the second one was uh, uh, Karma because I, I, I liked that because I think they pulled a lot from Wright and Wong actually like in terms of the uh, just kind of like goofy random battles and stuff yeah um, they did probably highly influenced oh yeah. yeah I mean we were the next year so we had a lot to lot to lot to live up to <laughs> lot to live up to goofy, in, that, yeah. in that 33 minute the first 33 cut, minute <laughs> cut. <laughs> you, I think you actually helped us cut it down well, Ma- Max Booz Max Booz enough Max Booz oh yeah Pulled them aside, say, so you know, "Boozy, yeah, <laughs> cut this thing in half." Yeah, <laughs> it ended up being twenty-two. We lost yeah. a third of our movie, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then um, "Melody Me" was another one I remembered because it was a musical done by it was Jeff and Jan Herman, right? Yeah, yeah, they were both involved. And uh, I've always just like bringing music, you know, to the screen and and syncing everything up and doing it in a believable way. Um, is like I was super impressed to see high school kids doing that. And I remember Jeff didn't Jeff Scanlon had a song as like a lollipop guy. Yeah, he's just like the pop, we're the pop crew, man. And they're yeah. Jamaican for some reason. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> and Her- Herman sang the song for that, oh, but yeah, he, he lip sank yeah. it, and it was really funny. It was a yeah. funny moment. Um, uh, that was an impressive. Yeah. Project that was super impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Can I mention a fourth one? Sure. So I just got reminded of my evil twin, or my evil twin and me. Right. My own worst enemy. My own worst enemy. Yeah, um, yeah. Where they, you know, uh, improved on the Scott Scottbot split screen technology. It's amazing. There were like seven of them. I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> my, my baby has grown. Yeah, you know? that's true. I know that, that that's when we kind of knew what we were doing. Yeah, yeah. And we had, again, you were shooting on non digital mm-hmm. HI8, and they were shooting on HD. Do they have green screens for that? Is no, that, no. Nope, they did it the same way that you did it. Mm-hmm. It's just a garbage mat, that's all. So, nice. and uh, yeah, that's great. Those are, those are blasts from the past. Yeah, I was going to say, that's some movies that some of the kids haven't even heard of, probably. Or they've seen the poster on the wall, but they don't know. So definitely go out watch those on the website, whsfilmfestival.com. And pitching, and especially because one of the movies this year is highly inspired by pitching in the hall. Yeah, so what are three Hollywood films you okay. recommend? I might be kind of generic here, but I'll, I'll start with The Godfather. Because, uh, you know, really I only watched it because so many people would always talk about it. And I, I didn't want to watch it because it seemed boring to me, but then someone said, You should act like a man! And finally I bit the bullet, watched the whole thing five times. You have to watch it five times to understand why it's so good. Understand that you're, it's kind of a book movie, you know. But, uh, yeah, anyway, I'll go back to my normal voice now and say, yeah, just, uh, it, it's a gold standard. 
it uh, there's a lot of problems with it that I've noticed after watching it a million times actually but uh, it's like it, it's from a time where you wanted to just not have anything to do for three hours I think yeah. you know that was yeah. something special about it um, and you know, the characters are amazing the actors are amazing legendary um, yeah Second one I'm going to drop, I'm going to drop Titanic. Titanic is the reason I started loving movies. The way James Cameron framed the ship sinking, making it look like a dying god. That's all I'm going to say. You can complain about the love stories, cheesy, generic, or whatever, dude. But the way he shot that disaster is just like, I go back and watch just like the angles he chooses. You know, the shots of the propellers and stuff. It blows my mind still to this day to watch it. It's, uh... The, you know, when the Titanic's, like, halfway sinking with its butt up in the air, you know, it's just like, that is so, like, almost like you shouldn't be looking at it kind of thing, you know? Like, when I really thought, I was like, wow. Like, the reason this is so amazing on screen is just because society turned upside down, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Um, a lot of people will shout hate at me for that, but... <laughs> no, that movie works. Yeah. I mean, it just happened to come out in a year that some other very good movies came out, and um, but it, it works. Yeah. Um, and movie number three, let's see. I'm going to present the third movie to you, and I've traveled over half our state to be here tonight to present it. <laughs> there Will Be Blood is a really, really boring movie about a man becoming evil, and you don't even realize he's evil until the end, and he's killing someone. And that's when you go back and you're like, wow, he was actually turning evil at this point, and this point, and this point. That's why it's so beautiful, thank you. <laughs> so that's a great movie, too. Yeah. Those are three good, three good picks, and three that we haven't had. I don't think anyone's recommended Godfather yet, um, which is surprising. I mean, I'm yeah. a huge Godfather fan. Any any other recommendations to these young budding filmmakers? Mm-hmm. Their senior year making a film. Just, I sound so old saying this, but enjoy it completely. This is not a usual occurrence in the universe like a school film festival of this caliber with this many years under its belt. Um, you are so lucky to be doing this. Like, you just are. It's so just, I mean, don't feel guilty about it. You don't feel the shame. It was like, you should appreciate all your blessings. Like, don't take it that seriously. But, you know, yes, it is a huge blessing. This is amazing. You are part of history. And uh, it's just... Like, really, honestly, for me, I think maybe one of the reasons the Hollywood thing didn't work out with me is because it didn't need to, because I had had the experience of making the movie, sitting in an audience on awards night, accepting an award, you know, like, all that stuff. Yeah, it was a much smaller scale, but, like, I almost, I think, felt like I didn't need it. That's so, cool. Yeah. Because, you know, you, you fight and claw over who gets to the top out there, and it's it can be ugly, you know? Um, so... Just if you can pull that off here and then feel like you don't have a need for that kind of competition ever again, then good. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I know. Um, I, when I went to college, I was like, "Yeah, yeah." Like I used to do the film festival, and people were like, "What the heck is that?" <laughs> I was like, "Wait, you didn't have that?" Like, it's it's it is a very rare thing. I'm happy to still be a part of it. Um, and I think that's great advice. Yeah. Yeah, we keep telling them don't waste. It. Well, we we tell them to enjoy it. And soak it up and uh, don't waste time. A lot, a lot of them, like, that's always our mantra. Don't waste time. Keep yeah. at it. Always something to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you so much for coming in. This is so like, welcome. This is so one, of, one of the ones we, we keep talking about. We have a list of 
people we'd love to get back in here and pick their brain and go down memory lane with and you are near the top of that list yeah for sure yeah we have for we started this podcast what three four years ago yeah and yeah since then like let's get the silver yeah let's let's get the silver we always say so happy to be here oh thank you you've been listening to walpole high film festivals podcast one point perspective